Welcome to First Generation Burden, a series of conversations with immigrants and the children of immigrants. My name is Rich Tu and I'm your host. This is episode 42. Today we have Elisa Navita. She's an expert in marketing and advertising the sportswear industry. She's worked with Flight Club, Bleach Report, Complex, Undefeated, a lot of the big players in the space. Her family came from Guyana, which is on the northern tip of South America, and we talk about Indo-Caribbean culture, growing up in Queens, and how it's important to find a path that's appropriate for you. Uh, also, if you're listening to this, you probably know how it is growing up with a conservative immigrant family, so I know a lot of this stuff will ring true for you guys. But before all that, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and drop a review. This episode was recorded at Canal Street Market at the Listening Party Studio, so shout out to those guys. So this episode, we talk a lot about the representation of women, especially women of color in streetwear. It's something I've wanted to shine a light on as of late, and uh, Elisa's out there fighting the good fight, so power to that. And without further ado, here's Elisa Navita. We don't really, we get a little bit of the outside, like, textural audio, yeah. but it's not too bad. The curtain does a little bit, and also the microphones are really good. Yeah, It, yeah. it also adds to the, the softness of the audio, I think, when it, on the output. Yeah, for sure. No, this place is dope. Yeah, this place is really dope. I actually like recording in here. It makes me feel safe. Where were you recording before? It would be either my office over at Viacom CBS, but, you know, just after hours or something or on a weekend, or I would just invite people over to my apartment and then we'd record over in my my closet slash uh, (laughs) design studio in my apartment. Yeah. You know, um, well, you obviously know Liz. Liz's boyfriend has a podcast, but they record sometimes like in their living room and I, I just end up watching them and I'm like, how... (laughs) <laughs> how is this even how is this even possible yeah but, i just saw she launched her podcast right yes on mental health did. right she did did you have anything to do with that or is you, y'all just uh, no. homies in general yeah we're homies and i do i guess manage her sometimes i hate like just saying like hey, i manage i manage someone because yeah, we were friends first um <laughs> and but for that i mean we got when we were road mapping 2020 we were talking about how do we take mental health like we already started the conversation how do we take it further from you know just like your basic panels and social media yeah so we were looking to incorporate it more into events but the podcast was strictly like her idea and i was just like yo go for it um especially in this kind of the space that we're in you know in regards to creative so every week the climate we're in exactly so i'm like Every week or I think bi-weekly, she's interviewing just different creatives and... Oh, that's dope. Yeah, and talking about mental health, which if you think about it, definitely like creatives and especially in like streetwear and sneakers, although it's not, you know, it's going to go, I believe all the people that she's inviting are creatives from all aspects. Yeah. Um, I feel like we are definitely that demo, you know, who go through it all, especially for like freelancing or graphic designers or anything who yep. gets stuck in a rut. Yeah. You know, we definitely know about all that mental mental health and For how sure. things like depression can just affect our creativity, which ultimately affects our work. Yeah. I think especially when we were in the midst of hustle culture right. and just doing the most where people were actively taking pride in not sleeping. And I'm guilty of that too. Mm-hmm. Just, just going for it on every level, burning the candle like five ends. And then now that we've, kind of awoken from that just a little bit. I think mental health is such a meaningful part of the conversation on almost every creative level. For sure. Isn't that kind of funny, though? I feel like growing up, um, I don't know if it was rap music or what, but we were just like, hustle, hustle, hustle. I think it's also when you're born and raised in New York, maybe it gives you like this innate, like hustle mentality. 
and we go so hard. I feel like we come from a, a place of just kind of being like, okay, yeah. And then it hits us like hustle, 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 do all these things. And being able to, you know, work those 10 hour days and put yeah. in all this. And then it gets to a point where we're like, this isn't, this isn't keen for yeah. my health and all that. Not sustainable. Right. Exactly. I think physically, I like to know that I can still take it there, mm-hmm. that I can, that's still within myself to go there. But at the end of the day, I, I know it's diminishing returns physically. I'm not going to try to go that hard all the time anymore. I'm not 23. Right. You well, know? I think that's what it is, because then we realize we we go through burnout. Yeah. And we're just like, oh, no, this isn't this isn't it, because not only is it affecting my work, but it's affecting my livelihood, my whole well-being. Yeah. All of that. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Elisa Navita. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for swinging through. Of course. Thanks for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. I know we've been trying to do this for a minute. I know. But I'm so glad you could come in on season five. <laughs> yeah. Season five. I know it's a lot. It's a whole lot. Yeah. But that's great. Some people. Well, I lasted like three episodes and I had my show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the YouTube show? Yes. That takes a lot of production, though, to be fair. Yes. You have to produce it. You have to go to a location. Yes, yes, yes. You have well, to do a whole thing. I don't want to say it's the end of it. I just think I'd gotten to a point in life where I needed holistically to just regroup. Yeah. And certain things. I'm very much a person that I I don't necessarily need it to come out perfect, but I need everyone to be able to see the vision and there were just things on like the production side and then like I said, just overall life, like mentally, physically, I needed to take several steps back. Um, but it's interesting because I was just at um I think like a bleacher report event and Oh, know, was it the Kicks event? Yes. Oh, my homie uh Christopher Chan oh. did all the the sculptures there. Oh yeah. Oh, I think he did it. I think With I met the planters. him before. The planters. Yes. I just worked with him on a sneakers show over at MTV. Oh, dope. Yeah, no, I love Chris. We we knew each other back in Portland when I used to live out there. Nice. I met him once when um uh, I did an event called Incorporated and I was hosting it and he had set everything up and I was like, oh, let me get your contact. This is so dope. Yo, Chris is a G. He is. He is. But um, yeah, I just needed to take several steps back. But when I was at Bleacher Report. Um, for that event, because I know quite a few, uh, quite a few guys over there. It was funny because they all just kind of like grouped up and was like, "Whatever happened to the show? Where's the show? Where's it going on?" And I'm like, <laughs> "One, first of all, whatever, guys. I don't need to be held accountable. But secondly, <laughs> secondly, I was just like, you know, it's so interesting that it's almost been a year since I filmed a last episode, and people still ask me about it, and it just kind of shows like I have something there, and. It's something that I think still hasn't, like, there's nothing you can compare it to, you know? Like, yes, we, I was interviewing women in the space, primarily in the sneaker space, but. In the footwear, sportswear space. Exactly. But I think what made it different was, one, me, but also. Absolutely. Your energy. Thank you. But also just the fact that, you know, for a lot of these, these were personal relationships. So we, you know, we would go places wherever we picked the venue or place that we went to it wasn't just random or whoever oh hey can we just set up shop it was how it resonated with me and that person's relationship right or that person so like you know the first episode which is one of my favorites is with my homegirl victoria chang oh full locker yes. yeah i have it up here and also for the listener it's called for the kick of it presents yes and then you you interview several guests yes 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 so that first episode we're actually i think in chinatown where at? Um, I forget the name of the restaurant. 
but it's in that episode. That's there you go. But, um, and we're conversing kind of like Anthony Bourdain style. We're just having noodles and whatnot because when we hang out, that's what we do. We're always like getting something to eat and whatnot and having this really authentic conversation. And I can also be very random. So it works to my advantage. Like I think at the end of the episode, there's like a speed challenge. I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm going to start spitting out five random questions. You got to answer it. <laughs> so the way that you would, uh, the way you would parse out your production, would you have to do an episode every couple of weeks? Like what was the level of difficulty there? I know that within the Viacom CBS space, CMTV space, and also I just collaborated with the Sorry Sorry crew over at Vox very recently. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the way that we parse out our content, even this podcast, is I'll try to group, uh, I'll group record as much as possible. Right. Like today I'm doing two episodes, mm-hmm. and when I'm really feeling myself, I'll do three. Wow, you know, so theoretically, if three works of content that exists within the algorithm, like, did you find difficulty in that production space? So I will say, when I get really excited about something, I jump right in. Yep. So I think to my advantage, the marketing, my marketing background, like I can, when I'm excited, come up with like a logo, a theme, everything like that. Um, where it's kind of a disadvantage is when it comes to the production side, I was like, yes, let's launch this, whatnot. And we had that one episode. And I was like, oh, you know what would have probably been smart before I said, oh, we're giving, coming bi-weekly is to actually maybe have had five episodes <laughs> done yeah. before shooting it. So I think... Oh, bank it. Yes. So um, at that point, we were hustling to film like once a week. Oh, Which, wow. yeah, given the schedules and whatnot, it was, I mean, we made it happen. There's actually some unreleased episodes um, that are just sitting in a hard drive somewhere because I didn't want to put it out until, like, I knew I was having a proper cadence and mm. production was exactly the way that I wanted to. So I'm kind of sitting on a little bit of a bank now. But I think realistically what I should have done was obviously bank a few and then I probably could have done, like, two a month since... Sure. Um, we we were only put, putting out episodes bi-weekly. It's so funny. When you enter that content creation space and then all the pieces start really forming themselves together, then you really don't have a plan until the second time you do it, I right, think. Right, exactly. It's like you, you have the, okay, this is what worked great, and then this is what didn't work, so let's not do that, or at least let's prepare <laughs> for it. So, for sure. I mean, who knows? You know, I'm, I'm a strong believer um well, especially in this year, because I think 2020 is such a strong number. And I actually took the Clear time. vision. Exactly. You're the rat. Exactly. <laughs> and I actually took the time to roadmap some things. I think that's that's very crucial. And I've had friends who've told me about that for the last few years. But I think I was just being stubborn. And, you know, was in my head like, oh, no, I know, I know what I want, you know. <laughs> but when you actually kind of like write it on paper, at least like taking all those thoughts and being able to organize them. Yeah. Yep. I made sure to take that time for this year. And I'm like, you know what? There is space where I could fit this in and maybe just even start it back. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really, it wasn't ever for notoriety and fame or anything like that. It's, you know, given my background in sneakers and just from what I see now, you know, there's times where I still get frustrated about, you know, certain Um, individuals who get picked for a campaign and whatnot or I just know from working kind of behind the scenes you know how many people and especially women and women of color there are behind the scenes so for me there was a few things it was really getting the woman's story out but then also inspiring other people absolutely who are watching you know and people that look like you and also and also that can 
can speak to another another expertise or another point of reference. It- exactly, because when I was working at flight and people would come meet me, they you know they obviously they knew they were meeting a woman, but they didn't know. You know, my parents are from Guyana, but right. when you see when you oh, first actually. See- can we can we backtrack just for a hot second? Yeah, for sure. Because I love the word. This is your it. show. We'll do whatever you want. No, no, no. <laughs> if anything, I just want to do the the bit of business of the way we begin the podcast is that all of our illustrious guests they tell us a little bit a little bit about who they are and where they're from, okay. and I would love for you to start with that, and then we can just jump right back in. For sure. Well. My name is Elisa Navita, and I am from Queens, New York, Hollis, Queens, to be specific. Gang, gang. And I'm first-generation American. My family, brother and sister, parents are all from Guyana. So yeah. I kind of had to... Indo-Caribbean, you know, yes. Yes. So I kind of had to open that door, which is a, a lot of pressure, kind of like open For that sure. road. You know, I was that person. All right, you're our American dream. Let's see what you're going to do. How long had your family been in Guyana for, like at least generationally speaking? Do you know? Uh, I don't know, but I know. And for the listener too, the Indo-Caribbean heritage is 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 a bit complicated. Yes. Yes, there's a lot of mixtures. Um, I mean, my grandfather, my mom's side, was an indentured servant. Yes. In that, well, that he came was over actually from India. Yeah, he actually has an interesting European colonization. Story. Yes, that's how it normally goes. They ha- it was indentured servants from India and Africa brought to British Guyana before, you know, they got their freedom and now they're Guyana. Um, my mom's grandfather, though, I, we're not really sure how he ended up. He was actually born in South Africa, then ended up uh, in Sri Lanka and then ended up in Guyana, which is funny because when people see me and when I used to live in L.A. for two years, people would either think I was Ethiopian, Sri Lankan, mm. and then obviously people who knew like Indo-Caribbean, like Guyanese or Trini people would, you know, exactly. know that that's what it was. They'd understand. Yes. Yeah. Not a lot of people really know what what that means or like what the repercussions of any of that stuff means. No, no, not at all. So, um, yeah, and I think knowing that or understanding that I'm not just Caribbean but Indo-Caribbean, you yeah. also take a lot of the traditions from East Indian culture. You know, being able to oh, you listen to your parents, you do right. this conservative um, mindsets. In exactly, some you don't talk back. Right, you don't really voice an opinion. You keep it to yourself. Also, patriarchal exactly. baggage. Exactly, and um, you know, you you become a doctor. My dad really wanted me to be a civil engineer because he's in construction. And I was like, I'm horrible in math. That's the <laughs> worst job you're gonna put me <laughs> put me into. All these all these things, and um, you know. It, it, it's like, then, you know, all uh, good grades, right. all that. And then by like 20 something, you should be married and on your way to kids. And even right now, it's still such a problem. Like, you know, you're not married I haven't yet. gone there yet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, you know, we live, I always look at, probably, she's probably not the best example. But whenever a situation like this comes up, I'm like, look at Kim Kardashian. She didn't. She didn't get married to Kanye until her late 30s. They got married. They have these kids. But Kim was able to take her time or whatever to set up whatever it is that she had to do. So in case her and Kanye get divorced, it's not like she's left, you know, in like some poverty or whatnot. She has her own businesses. And I'm like, if we have someone who's that high profile in Hollywood right now. Yeah. If anything, she could give him a loan. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, um, but if. She didn't, I think she was like 35, 36, yes, 37, yes. one of those. And, 
I'm like, in today's society, if you see that, granted, I know someone's probably someone's probably listening, like, why we bring Kim Kardashian. But I think that's a great example as someone, you know, like, why someone in, who's so high profile, who didn't kind of follow the, the norms, the norms and whatnot. No one really put pressure on her to yeah. get married and kind of like, look, she seems happy. For sure. I think it's sometimes when it comes to the optics of of reality TV or celebrity culture where people are elevated in, in the public eye by virtue of clout. Mm-hmm. I, I think that kind of uh, takes away the the business mindset or like, you know, like knowing they're actually business people in some capacity. Yeah. So she is like a very savvy business person. Also, shout out to her mother, yes. Kris Jenner, because Kris Jenner is a G. I would take an entrepreneur class if Kris Jenner Hell offered yeah. it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, for sure. And she has an, an empire uh, based on based on her family's abilities to, to you know manage their their clout and clout isn't such a beautiful word but honestly that really is what it is. I feel like she really saw what they were good at or things that they were interested in and yes. helped them monetize. You know, like if you look at Courtney, Courtney and there was no path. Right, by the way, exactly. there was no path. I mean, I think Courtney and because I used to watch the show religiously. I'm not gonna front when it first came out. And, I, you know, Courtney, I think, was just, they had the children's stores yeah. with with her mom. and then Baby Kendall, baby Kylie, just yeah, running around. exactly. And then um, I, w- I think it was when Courtney started having kids, that's when she was like, you know, I want to give them, like, organic food, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And now, like, I feel like because of her mom, she's, you know, doing all these, I guess, her version of what Gwyneth Paltrow's goop was, where it's like she has this, you know, platform where she talks about lives this true organic lifestyle yep. and all that. You know, you look at um, Kylie Jenner, who the mother was like, you can do all the year. She's of the like YouTube, learning everything on YouTube exactly. age and whatnot. That's that's someone who saw it happen really, in a big way. Capitalized. Exactly. exactly. Capitalized so well. Exactly. I think she actually might be worth more than Kim. Yes. I uh, on paper, I don't know if Kim has ever admitted that, but I of, think I don't think Kim ever would. <laughs> But I think so too. If anything, yeah, Kylie and Kendall are are the ones who are really uh, holding it down. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, I'm not here to sponsor the Kardashians. I mean, but I think you know to turn it all back, but, uh, it's to have. If these we could be sponsored by the Kardashians, right? I mean, that if would we be could fantastic. Be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not turning that down. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Disclaimer, just FYI. But you know, it's like to have these expectations. Like I'm even fighting my mom right now because she wants me to get my master's and I'm like I'm in marketing yeah and I think don't get me wrong if anyone wants to get their master's 100% go for it right but I think for someone like me who's had now going on 10 years of experience in marketing yeah I feel like a master's for me is only going to benefit if I'm doing something that's like parallel or a little bit different you know can we can we Take it back a couple of steps in terms of how you got into marketing. Yeah. And you have a great history. And also you're such a, a an expert within the sportswear, footwear space. Highly trusted. Shout out to Packer Shoes. I know you have history with them as well. Yes. Yeah. So, well, going back to marketing, how did you land in that space? Let's say that there were these expectations upon you of the traditional routes of doctor, lawyer, whatever um, right. you know, that, that traditional immigrant story is. Um, but... How do you land in in this space coming from Queens? Also, I I know that you were immersed in sneaker culture mm-hmm. from the from the jump. I think we all were. At least that's yeah. why we it's so ever present in our lives. Right. But what was that journey for you? Yeah, I think even before I dive in, I have to backtrack it a little because um, 
a couple of years ago, I did uh, an interview with Slam, and one of the things that I said is I always oh, felt like... Oh, shout out like, to the Slam crew. Yes. Shout out to Adam Figman. Shout yeah. out to all those Shout babes. out to Ben Osborne, who's now shout a bleacher. Ben. Yes. But Ben is the one... I basically harassed him on Instagram because he, he had... he That's when he came out with the book Slam Kicks. Yep. And I had got it that day, and I saw on Instagram, he was like, oh, if you come to Barnes & Noble tonight and buy the book, I'll autograph. And this was the time where Instagram was starting, but like if you had... 900 followers or something like that you were you were seen as like gold like uh, like unattainable so i was just like oh, i bought mine off amazon so i commented and i was like oh, i just bought mine like <laughs> i can't believe this and he responded and was like putting well, pressure on ben he's he like if you're in new but i didn't think he was gonna see it you know but he was like well if you're in new york i'm happy to have you come to the office and sign it and i was what like what year was this Ah, uh, this had to be, I want to say, 2000, around 2012, 2013. Okay. I was actually freelancing a long time for Slam. Oh, yeah? Yeah, with uh, Melissa Medvedich. Okay. When she was a CD over there. It had to be somewhere around them. I'm also yeah. really bad at timelines. I had to, like, so far go backtrack. Like, well, I graduated high school here. and then, <laughs> but, um, I be- but I believe that's the time that it was. So I pulled up because I was working at 29th and Park Ave South at the time. Pulled up, so he's signing. He's like, oh, I got some copies for you. And then he's like, so tell me what your story is. And I go and I tell him whatnot. And then he's like, you want to be featured on the magazine? And I was like, yeah, of course. So um, one of the quotes that I said in the interview is that I always felt like I was a triangle in a world of circles. I think me being already this first generation American born already kind of set the precedent that I wasn't going to be someone who followed in this traditional route. You know, I was born and raised in Queens. Um, I lived in a house, whereas, like, my brother and sister, they were born in Guyana and had to, you know, do the whole thing where they were there staying with aunts and uncles while my parents were traveling back and forth to set up a better life. And then by the time they did that, they were actually in Brighton Beach, Brooklyn. Okay. And all of them were living in a studio basement apartment. Okay. So, um, and we have a huge age gap. I'm... 16 years apart from my brother and like 13 years apart from my sister. Got it. Okay. So how long, um, how long before you were born had your parents emigrated to America? I think around two or three years. Okay. Yes. And then when they moved to Queens a year later, I popped up. So um, I was really that person who was just immersed in everything. Right. Queen, Queens culture. And of course, like, like I said, you know, my parents' American dream, they wanted to do things completely different. So my brother and sister were, you know, going to public school, like high school, shout out Martin Van Buren, Jamaica High, which is no longer around. But they were like, we're sending you to Catholic school. (laughs) And I was like, okay. So my life was just filled with like uniforms and whatnot. But given that I was from Queens, the people that I was surrounded and grew up with such a diverse group, you know, you had a couple of Guyanese people, you had Haitian, you had Jamaican, you had Spanish. And I'll say like when I would bring some friends over, you know, my mom at first would just kind of be like, oh, you know, um, you don't have any Guyanese friends, just more so because she was not used. I think when you also come, when you immigrate and you come from 
the place of where where you're from, you gravitate towards your people. Your people, because that you're in a new place, you want some familiar familiarity. Right. So, but and but Queens is like literally one of the most diverse places yes. in the country, let alone the planet, yes. possibly. Side note: I also wanted to point out if anyone is still kind of confused about like how Guyana and how it's such a melting pot to make sense. Marcus Samuelson had I don't know if he still has it, but I think you can find the episode online. A show on PBS where he goes to immigrant communities mm. to try the food and he goes to queens and he does the best explanation because you also have influence of portuguese obviously because i always say guyana is like the misplaced caribbean country it's in south america <laughs> you know you have british tendencies you have indo-caribbean you even have some asian influence so but he does a such a great job he articulates it way better than i could um so anyway, everyone should like watch that in case they uh shout out to Marcus Samuelson. Yeah. He lives like two houses down from me and every time I pass I'm like, Hey Marcus Samuelson He's like, Hey, well you don't have to say my whole name <laughs> <laughs> But it's such a great name. I know. It's like He sounds like a strong man, like he should exactly. be picking up like big stones or something. Exactly. So, you know, fast forward I go you so you know, once I told my mom, I think one day I had to sit and I was just like, yeah, there are some Guyanese people, but if you think about it, these people that I hang out with are actually the ones who are like top of their class, like respect everyone. When like basically it was kind of like educating her on the fact that, you know, it didn't matter if who I was hanging out with as long as I'm technically quote unquote a good kid. Right. You know, and that, like, she loves all my friends and whatnot, but it was just interesting. And, it, you know, I feel like a lot of the times we're put in a position where we have to really explain why we do certain things, mm. you know, because they're, they're just not used to that. So, went to Catholic school, and whatnot, and then I'm the first to actually go to a college. Really? So, what college you go to? Pace University. Oh, tight. Which even then had, you know, when I was picking at one point, I wanted to what go to What was your Baruch. major? So, fun fact, my uh, major was actually economics. Oh, that actually makes sense. And, but the thing was, is you have to understand, as somebody who, you know, was the first, first, first person to go to college, didn't have like this whole like, oh, well, you know, the family went to like Penn State, I got a rep and da, 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 da. College was probably my least social experience out of all the schools because we I had no idea how to navigate it. No one could really educate. I remember we were sitting there lost during orientation. Hmm. I had no idea that I could even dorm for half a semester. You know, I just thought it was like dorm all the way. That's it. You know, yeah. and it's something that I probably would redo. For sure. Now knowing all this breath of knowledge, but at least the way that you redo pace, or that you would redo the entire, entire college. Entire college, experience. I probably would have went to Penn State. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, but also, you know, my parents they hear university and they immediately think that it's more of an acclaimed school than you know some a school that doesn't have the word university right. in it. You could go to an go to an online school with the word university in it. Exactly. Theoretically. You Not that that's CUNY a problem school, either. Right. And there's nothing wrong with CUNY schools. Like Baruch is top of its class. I believe Hunter is oh, yeah. too. Shout out to Baruch over by Gramercy. Yes. And I used to hang out so much at Baruch. At one point, everyone was like, you don't leave, come here. I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, majored in economics because when I left high school, I had no idea where I wanted, what I wanted to do. I just knew like, it's so weird. I just knew I wanted to be cool, but be smart. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. the weirdest. It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> check, check. Yeah. And again, 
you have my dad here pushing, just go for civil engineering. And my mom is just like, I don't care as long as it's medical. And it's like neither of those things. Um, so it wasn't until junior year, I'm taking these economic classes and it like didn't hit me until I was like, this is, wait, this is what my life will be is just forecasting, forecasting and making educated guesses. Like there's nowhere else it could take me. Um, and I remember making that realization and after that class, I was in the cafeteria and I was sitting with one of my friends and this girl by the name of Tracy just like comes up and is asking us to vote for her for some student board. Okay. And I remember being like, I God, don't, Tracy. Yeah, I was like, I Ugh. don't know you. However, <laughs> I always tell Tracy and I are really great friends. That's, okay. Well, shout out to Tracy. Face. No, it's no, but that's the reaction. But I will, that's what makes it funny is because I tell Tracy to this day. Like Reese Witherspoon election vibes. Yes. Um, I tell Tracy to this day, if she didn't do that, like, I don't know where my life would be right now. Because I remember she was like, oh, well, here, get to know me. My name is Tracy. Da, 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 da. And I was like, OK. And then coincidentally, you know, my friend who knows her is having a conversation with her and is asking her like, oh, you know, I'm having trouble deciding what my major is. Da, 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 da. And Tracy's like, you should literally she's like, you know, that tool Google. I'm like, probably now I'm like showing my age. You know that tool Google. <laughs> You can type in anything, like not just basic, you know, we'll type in historical events, but you can literally type in questions. She's like, I, I Googled what can I do with this, what kind of job can I get with this major and da, 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 da. It just so happens that Tracy had switched from, I forget what major, to communications. Mm. And when she Oh, was, that's what I majored in as well. Oh, back at Rutgers. Nice. So when she was talking about what she was currently doing and she was interning for Melissa Ford at that time, I was like, wait a minute. This sounds exactly like me, like just kind of, you know, using your gift of gab and mm -hmm. writing to be persuasive and, you know, uh, craft uh, stories and whatnot, narratives. Um, narratives and, you know, just showing a brand or person in best light. And I remember she was talking about how casual it can be. Like, obviously, you're not looking sloppy, but she's like, I can wear sneakers and stuff. And I was just like, hello. Yeah. This is me. And I go. remember. You can actually be yourself in exactly. the space. So that was always very important for me. I I always took pride in being myself. Oh, what you wearing today? Oh, you're wearing the Carhartt 95s? Yes, that everybody slept on. I'd like to. Everyone I always point did to, sleep on them. Everybody slept. And when people see me, I actually, I could have on they union ones. They sat for a minute. I'm like, y'all are idiots. Yeah. When I could have union ones on, I could have Sakai's. And of course, like people will be like, oh, I'll, I see you. But they're so obvious. But when I have these on, Every time, at least two people are like, yeah. those are dope. For real. Low-key like, bangers. Yes. People I, don't realize. I love them so much. And the 3M on the laces. Exactly. I do think I will give people credit. I think during that time, you had a Yeezy drop. And I think that's when the Atmos Air Max came out. Oh, yes. So I feel like people's pockets were like, we have to choose. And a lot of people went for the Atmos. They did, yeah. Which honestly wasn't really my cup of tea. It's a great sure. shoe. Great I shoe. just, in terms of rocking it, wouldn't. Right. But I feel like I always gear towards everything construction as like homage to my dad and my brother. Her that's cool. As like diesel mechanics, you know. For sure. Like for I sure. knew Carhartt literally for what it was, which is construction gear. Right. No cat. I was just having a conversation with someone you know, about other brands. And I was like, they were like, what do you feel about Carhartt? I'm like, Carhartt's dope, but if you really want to do a unique collab, you need to do this investigation. Like, go to, you know, Japanese brand Kamatsu. Go to Cat, which is like an OG before Carhartt became a Carhartt. Like, I was sitting there like, 
giving it. And I'm like, this is because I know all these things because that that my, my right. brother and father. Because you see cat on an actual like construction site. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like really, like next to like fucking. Uh, like safety gear. Mm-hmm. Like the reason these brands were made weren't really for us to style in them. It was yeah, for you know exactly. people in the field. For so, real. Um, like with steel toes, so that in case you drop shit, you're you can still walk. Exactly. Exactly. Like I remember if we bought my father Tim's or something for Christmas, like y'all make sure it's steel toe, waterproof, all yeah. this. And I'm like, oh. Whereas like we're just all talking about style and stuff. So that year. That was junior year. And I remember immediately I was like, I have to change my major. Mm. So I ended up, I I was going to change it to marketing. But then like somewhere along the way, I re, I think when I did the Google search, I realized communications, it, it allowed me to be, if I wanted to change direction, it had more of like a broader view mm-hmm. than just marketing. And I think, you know, given the space, like I've done marketing, PR, calm social all that it's like it all intertwined so i changed it and funny enough i remember being like okay you know i'm not that mad if it's gonna take me five years to graduate but then i realized at the time pace had something called a pace promise okay which meant for those four years although um university wide the tuition's going up you're locked in at what you started with and i was just i was fortunate enough that um, I didn't have to take out too many loans. Like I was able to I had a scholarship. Mm-hmm. My you know, my parents were able to pay for the rest. So I was very fortunate in that. But I remember being like, wait a minute, if it's going up every year, so by the fifth year, I'd have to pay whatever. Oh no. And <laughs> which is also funny because if anything, I wasn't even thinking about accruing loans. I was thinking about how mad my mother will be. Immigrant parents, I don't know if I don't know if anyone talks about this. Immigrant parents have such a way where you can be in your 30s or whatnot yes. and you will still be scared of like their reaction or if they get mad. And it's not it's not more about you're scared as if like Oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. It's more like, oh, my, like this wrath. You're just like, yeah. I don't want to make them upset. No, it's scared. I get scared still of like, oh, am I going to get a slipper thrown at me right yeah. now? It's, it's that kind of scared. Yeah, exactly. I, I talk openly about it. Like, you know, it's not the most, uh, it's, an, it's not a non-physical upbringing. Yes. You know? Right. Um, I mean, do they do it now? Not at all. Oh, it's, no. It's, it's grown out. I will say oh, my oh, father never, my father never. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. My father was one of those Me people. and my dad have gone at it. Yeah, I think it's different. Maybe with, you know, with boys. daughters. And yeah. um, my mom, though, always made this joke. Like, my mom can corner anybody in a circular room. I don't know how she did it. <laughs> but she would do Immigrant it. moms. Yes. Immigrant moms. Uh, Which yes. is funny because when people see her now, they're like, you sure you weren't over exaggerating? I was like, no, no not at all. No, the smaller, the, the <laughs> crazier. The smallest, the most soft-spoken ones are the ones that are the most, the most crazy. Oh, and yeah, for real. Whenever friends the, the come ones over, with the best arm, best aim. And the ones who give candy. My mother's one of those people who give candy. So all my friends are like, she's so nice. And I'm like, don't. Don't. Don't, don't let them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't let her fool you. So I was like, oh, no. And then, right. I was like, I don't want to end up being with so many loans, too, that yeah, Sally May, you know, I'm there for 60 years and whatnot, which is, you know, unfortunate that that's how education has to be. But that's a whole other yeah. topic. The privatization of education. Yeah. So I ended I just really hustled. I remember I, I changed my major and I did um the full, whatever the max credits were, was it 18, like a semester at points? 
had 18's an in- a lot. Yeah. 15's an- technically a full boat. The, 18's yeah. over. Yeah. And I think, well, something with pace, it was like 18, you could still do it. You just need to sign off. And 21 was the max, but you're crazy for like doing yeah. that. Yeah. Because that went 21. I'm like, what are you doing? I did one semester 21. Did you really? But did you take a day off too? You were just in no, it all the No, because I had to. I had to. I wanted to graduate. And then also I was doing an internship that was two days a week unpaid because there was um, a portion of your major that, you know, you had to do an internship to receive credit. And then I had, I was working at an MMA school Saturday and Sunday. At an MMA school? Yes. Mixed martial arts? Yes. Got it. Doing reception. I, it was one of those I needed money. Got and it. I found it on Craigslist. Did you train at MMA as well? No, which is kind of funny. Everyone's like, so what belt are you? And I was like, well. <laughs> I got I'm this just... dope uh, polo woven belt <laughs> that I, I mess around nice with. I got coach belt. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I remember like there was a couple of days where I obviously crashed. Mm. And um, I even did uh, winter intercession. So like those few weeks in Christmas break. And I did both summer sessions. How many years were you in undergrad? Four. Full four? Yeah, because... Why are you going so OD on it? Because I, I, the pace promise only was four years. If I did that fifth year, the price was going to go up. Oh, okay. okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and sense. I was just so scared of my parents. And I was just like, no, we're just going yeah. to do this. I remember I failed the class. I wanted to double oh, major. That's the scariest. It's so you scary. Don't even want to. I, it was the first time I felt that. Yeah. In college, yeah. I, I failed a class. It was, uh, it was a psychology class. I wanted to originally double major in communication and psychology, and then pff, 8 a.m. Uh, brain anatomy class, tank it, oh right? My God. And then I was, I was so disappointed in myself. And then I had to go over by one extra semester yeah. to a four and a half, which wasn't so uncommon at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. But then it was just two classes for one semester, and I just had to go for two hours a day. Yeah, which kind of like woke me up and to like, oh shit, this could be like, oh, this is a way better college experience. Right. <laughs> like I could have relaxed. I could have taken my time within reason. Right. And then also had like the mental capacity. Do you explore other avenues of my I wish know, I traveled abroad. For sure. You know, I even thought about that my last semester, but then I heard nightmares of people saying like their cran- their tra- their credits didn't transfer over. I was like, no, I did way too much work this oh, yeah. year and a half to not, you know, get it. And, um, you know, I look back and every time I tell people that story, I'm like, you know, but I'm proud of myself. Would I oh, do that's it dope. again? No, and if anyone's in that position, because there was a time where I had to take Monday 8 a.m. class, and remember, Ugh. I was I was commuting from Yuck. Queens. Yuck. So I'm by the F train, and I would, you know, by paces, um, the green line with the E on World Trade, and so that's like an hour and a half trip, but if you have to do that, a uh, word to advice, um, most of the times on Fridays or Monday mornings, if your college has a gym, basketball team is practicing during those times. So whenever I would be walking in, basketball team would be coming out. And I was just like, all right, this is kind of worth it. I just these guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they'd be like, yo, Not where up? I thought you were going to take that. I thought there'd be some other life hack. Like, oh, that works too. That works too. No, that works listen, too. No, listen, I need, I'm definitely got some slight ADD. I need the attention. And they'd be like, Yo, what's up? I'm like, hey, you know, meanwhile, I'm dying inside of Shout tired, out to that. Like, I know. That's amazing. <laughs> Shout out to those uh, basketball guys <laughs> over a pace. Yeah. So, how did you get into sneaker culture? When when does sneaker culture become part of your professional trajectory? So, um, 
I'll say, so when I, after college, you know, I started, I was actually doing uh, social media and whatnot, my first breath into like PR and marketing. What are social media platforms at the time? That was just Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. I literally remember the owner of the company. It's funny that YouTube's even considered social media at this point. It's not quite. You don't think so? Well, I think it's an amalgam. I think it's. I do think of it as a as a content platform for right. sure, uh, but it's different in terms of the way interaction occurs. For sure, but I do think it's an interactive platform for sure. Yeah, so I do think, but I will say that while it may not allow for a lot of conversation, it allows it sparks it. So yes. you're going to probably find that person on their Twitter or Instagram to get more of, you know, that conversation. Right. So maybe it kind of launches and right. sparks that. Oh, so it, it is definitely social. Yeah. But you could also theoretically put up the, the Godfather trilogy on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, oh, it's something right. else. Right, right, right. So I remember he was like, do you know Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter? I was like, yeah. He's like, I'm going to teach you. It's called social media. I'm going to teach you how it's going to impact the world. And I remember being like, okay, sure. So I had clients like Harry Winston, Henry Bendel, 100, total opposite, um, which I think, you know, coming out of college, oh, like it's luxury. like, yeah, it's like, you're going to take what you get. So it wasn't until after I met a man by the name of Mr. Scott Debson. I say his name like that all the time. Because, Scott Debson. Yes. Scott Debson. <laughs> yes. And um, shout out to Scott because he was friends with um, the owner and was just like uh, at times taking up like a, a little back room office. But he's what in- introduced me into what I call like culture marketing. So my clients there, because I transferred over. Culture marketing. Yes. Was um, that a term that was known at the time? No, I kind of coined it. Not but I don't wait. Let me take that back. I don't want to sit here and be like I coined it. Everyone owes me owes me royalties. I call it that because the type of clients that I had. So the, that company was called SA Studios, and who founded it was Estevan Oriel, Mr. Cartoon. Oh, so okay. my clients while working with That's those guys cool. were also like the Bob Marley estate. We did Undefeated Capsule with the LA Galaxy. Got it. Um, when I talk Bob Marley, everything from like. The, the kids to um, Marley Coffee, uh, any books that they were doing, right. Metro PCS. Gotcha. So, are you dealing mostly with also people of color? Yes. Uh, okay, gotcha. Everyone, you Even know. Like this during the rise of like Team Epiphany as well. Yes, yeah. So, like, I mean, cartoon, all, all it was connected. like Team Epiphany's fam, you know. Um, shout out to Coltrane. But pretty much it was like, wow, I can do, th- my job doesn't have to be stuffy. It can, it can, it can incorporate everything that I like because, you know, obviously I was handling the Marlies, you know, with the, with all my Caribbean background and whatnot. It was just like intuitive. It's like knowing how to say certain things, knowing how the vibe is, you know. And um, at that time, well, I remember uh, there was one point in my previous job where I wore some Air Forces. Mm. What were they? And the classic Air Force uptowns. Gotcha. Ones, you Lows, know. Lows, mids, I strap, yeah. no strap. They were lows. lows. I'll have to think white, back. Black, white. That was gonna be black. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you don't know. You you don't know. Yeah, Sometimes. Like... <laughs> there was a time when I was wearing black black Air Forces with uh, a little uh, silver lace lock just to just to say like, by the way, I'm wearing black yeah. Air Forces today. I think I tried to think about this. I'm like, have I ever worn black Air Forces? I think I might, <laughs> but like gym time. 
Oh, okay. Like they were only my gym shoes. Yeah. I don't remember, but I th- it, it sounds familiar. It's like the also, classic when people New York ask duck me what my equivalent. I also like when people ask me like what was your first sneaker? I'm like my first sneaker was LA Gears. Like let's be real. My parents couldn't afford like Yeah, my first sneakers were a pair of Olympians. Yeah. So sometimes when people are like my first pair was this is I'm like are you lying? I know. <laughs> or is that the first pair that you want to talk about? Exactly. Which I can't get mad if it has to do with the panel or whatever. That's cool. But anyways, so um, I'm working with these clients and I'm making this, this revelation about, you know, I can truly be myself because when I was at the other place, I had worn some ups and granted, I was still dressed. It's not like I was dressed in sweats or anything, still dressed very nice. And it had a casual atmosphere. Nobody, bought, owner didn't say anything, but a coworker came up to me and she was like, those shoes are cool, but don't you think you're a little grown for that? And I Whoa. was just like, like I wish... I'm if offended. someone could see this, because like the my eye just I rolled truly very slowly, and it sucks because she's someone that even to this day I still look up to. So I think you you know growing up you have to realize how people's perspectives are and yes. where they're coming from. So yes. I had to take a step back, and I was like, okay, she's not coming in a derogatory way. Mm-hmm. You know, she's from but she's the trying Midwest. to correct you. Yes, because in her perspective, sneakers mean something. I guess inferior, you know, sure. or like on a lower and or I was unprofessional. Just like, unprofessional, yes. So I remember in my head being like, like it all kind of, you know, when something happens and all these thoughts come at once. And I was just, I remember sitting there like, why does my sneakers, one, they're clean, they're clean as fuck. Like I just, oh, can I curse on this? Yeah, you can oh, curse. Okay. Um, you can definitely curse. I'm like, they're clean. I eat like, I was just like, man, if they look dirty, like they're clean. And, I, but, then I was just like, but wait, why does this is who I am? This is part of me, you know, being born and raised in Queens. Like you like every other aspect about me. And yeah. this is the one thing. But then also This is the one thing. Yeah. And then I was just like, but what does me wearing some ups have to do with the fact that, you know, I went I went to Catholic school, I went to the Mary Luce Academy, I graduated top, I went to Pace University. Um, that email campaign that you want going up in the next hour, I'm giving it to you in 20 minutes. You know, what does my, what's on my feet, how does that dictate me and what, and my work and my like smarts and right. knowledge? So, right. you know, like I yeah. said, in, you know, in your assess, in your assessing of, of points, what, how does this take down my score? Yeah. So like, exactly. what are you, what are you measuring exactly. based on? And I think it's a conversation that, People started to have a little bit, but now when you, you know, look at panels, I think it's more, you know, they kind of segue. Yeah. But now you have, you know, presidents of companies wearing Air Forces in order to represent that right. they're more casual. And then they look kind of uncomfortable. Exactly. Sometimes. Yeah. They want to be like, oh, I'm a casual leader. Right. But, you know, I was, it just took me aback. And again, I realized like she wasn't saying it from a malicious standpoint, she just had a diff, a way different view of sneakers. Than I did. And I yeah. think that's, I think as we get older, that's definitely something to realize when someone says anything or comes from a place, if it's not obviously disrespectful and derogatory, it's perspective and understanding where that person has come from definitely makes it because I could have blew up. I could be like, what? And I was just like, <laughs> could have turned it into a thing. Yeah. I think instead I just, some, I just said something like, I think I actually did say, I was like, mm. No, because it doesn't take away my smarts and all the work that I put in. I think she was just like, mm, 
Okay. All You're right. right. Like, and at the end of the day, the owner wasn't saying anything, you know? So, you know, fast forward, I'm at SA and whatnot, and, like, me wearing sneakers was not a thing, you know? Yeah. The owner, actually, Scott, used, has his own sneaker collection, very appreciative of it. But in all my clients, it's not like I had to change. You know what I mean? Like, yes. it's not, you know, sometimes you do, sometimes you do have really corporate clients and you're, you know, you don't necessarily have to change your whole being, but there's a time and place for certain things. It's like you wouldn't go, you know, to a wedding in sweats. You know? Right. That's true. That's true. I think there's a difference between professionalism. Yeah. And there's always a professional side of you. That doesn't mean that it's right. taking away from your authentic self. You know, for sure. I think once once they started decoupling the idea of ceremony and professionalism, mm-hmm. then people started to you know realize that you could actually represent something that didn't have to feel so uptight. Exactly. So I'm working with all these clients. I'm doing campaigns, and now I'm able to even pitch. You know, some with some sneaker involvement. So Metro PCS, we were focused on a lot of their um, community activations, and one of them we we called it Soul for Sims because gotcha. it was something they want. They were doing a deal on like Sim right. cards, and I remember. Well, and for the listeners who don't know Metro PCS, Metro PCS is a communications company. Isn't it like cricket? It's a, it's like cricket basically. Yeah. Yeah, but some people in the Midwest oh, yeah. may not know. You're right. Whoops, my bad. Yeah, or, or just for the listener. I, I just, some people may not even know SIM cards. For sure, honest. yeah. I'm trying to fill in the gaps for everyone else. Yeah, no, do that, because I can also be someone who just goes all the way left and let me explain. <laughs> but um, we, what we did was those were the those that was the year the Taxi Twelves came out, and what we did was we we did before it was kind of like before everyone was doing the sneaker donations. We kind we did that and set it up in like different Metro PCS stations. And uh, when you donated a pair of shoes, it put you into a raffle to win a pair of like the Taxi 12s. Got it. So, you know, SA was really the the career moment where I was like, oh, wow, I can really do my job and encompass everything that I love. Coincidentally, parallel to that, um, I was gifted the South Beach LeBrons. Oh, okay. And I remember being like... Classic colorway. Yes, I remember being like, oh... These are fire. I want to wear them to work. Yes. You know? And LeBron I was, what? LeBron 9s? LeBron 8s? My, my, now, so, my sneaker fair, class being... Uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm not that great with LeBrons. And here's the thing. I always tell people when someone's like, oh, you're a sneakerhead? I'm like, nah. South Beach 9s. I'm a sneaker. I'm a sneaker. Like, I like sneakers because I will... Oh, my bad. I moved from the mic. Yep. Those are exactly there it. There we go. Um, the nines called it because I have friends who literally collect know all the stories and whatnot whereas mine is from a cultural perspective yes so I'm like don't call me a sneakerhead just call someone who like likes sneakers because I'll (laughs) fuck shit up like that I'm like what's the A's or the nines because I outgrew it I don't have it anymore Um, and I don't own any other LeBrons um so, because <laughs> I know someone's going to sit there like, oh, she don't even know. Like, listen, I don't fit. I didn't fake the funk at all. There you go. But, um, you know, and I remember being like, okay, this was also during the time of when, you know, fashion bloggers were just starting. So everyone putting like, here's my outfit and mm-hmm. here's where I got it from. Oh, in the era of uh, when the sartorialist was really popping off. Exactly. Um, when Bill Cunningham had been doing it for forever. Mm-hmm. Who, what, who, what, where. Yeah. Yeah. All that. And it was still like, they weren't even, they were just touching what that could be versus yes. like the magnitude that they are now. And I remember being like, okay, but I want, I want to dress this up and I know there is a way. I was like, let me Google some inspiration. 
And it was, and Tumblr was big at this time too. Mm. So I'm looking and I'm like, you know, at the time, all I was finding really was sneaker porn. So like Drea. (laughs) 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 And that iconic photo. I think she's wearing the Olympic sevens (laughs) or sixes. Or one of them. Gotcha. I don't even remember which shoe she was wearing, but I always say because she has like an icon, like she has like a stream of photos. But I'm just like, okay, there's no real inspiration here for how to dress it up. And I remember, you know, other than that, I would find like a Rihanna or a Tayana Taylor, yes. Rita Ora, and I'm like, oh, those women are dope, but they have stylists, they have money, the style isn't attainable as something I can do. So I was like, man, I wish somebody would have like started a blog giving like fashion inspiration for sneakers. And I was like, ding. And I remember that day I hit up one of my friends at a camera and I was like, hey, you wanna help me with something? She was like, cool. And I think I put this like outfit together where it's like black pants, a wife beater, a denim leopard vest. <laughs> it sounds really ugly, but it's not. Like I'll send a picture. I'm like, it's not. And I, I had mean, like it's of the era. Yeah, it is a what it nice is. Ex- like chain, like accessories and whatnot. No, you can you can make that classic. And had my uh, LeBrons on, and we were basically walking around the block because I was still living in Queens, going around taking photos, and and only to end up in my parents' backyard <laughs> to take the rest of the photos <laughs> that were. Hey, look, locate whatever the background paint is. Chip, paint chip fence and a uh, a metal chair and a cooler that happened to be there. That that's where I was. There you go. Um, and I remember, again, Instagram had just started, and I, I was like, let me just start an Instagram page and see if there's interest. So it was like posting me, but also reposting different, you know, women who I thought looked really well. So mm-hmm. this was also like when Roxy was on BET, and I remember mm. she wore uh, some Reeboks, and I was like, this is a cute outfit, let me repost, you know? And I saw the engagement I was getting, like people were interested in it, and I was like, okay, cool. So that's when, that's how, like, For the Kick of It was born. Um, and again, which, which coincides with the show is I wanted to get fashion inspiration, but I was like, you know, I want to interview different women, but I want to make sure they're doing something. Like, I don't want to interview just for the sake of interviewing because I want someone to read this and get an, like I said, get inspired and be like, oh, this girl who wears sneakers is, you know, a stylist for the NBA, owns her own company, is a CEO. Like, I can do that. So Sneakers are the entry point for further knowledge. Exactly. So that's when, you know, doing all that, I'm going to these events, I'm meeting people and... I'm like, are there, I'm meeting women who work, but it's very ground level. And I'm like, is there, I'm not seeing, you know, much diversity at the time. And again, you know, you would come to campaigns and whatnot. And I'm like, who made this? Like, did anyone talk to a woman? And it's like, come to find out it's five men in a room. They probably didn't. And this was definitely the point um, of era where it was like all women sneakers were pink. You know, so you had no choice with GS. Also, GS was like $60, $70 then, you yeah, know, where it's sure. like now. And I was like, Yeah, color no. politics when it comes to like working within the companies and also mm-hmm. the uh, male versus female versus the the more uh, the the more progressive thought of gender neutrality within color theory. Yeah. That's, I remember when I was at Nike in between 2015 to 2017, they were really pushing gender neutrality even within the kids space 
but then that even that was it took a while for that thought to matriculate within the organization and here like even now like being able to be a part of those meetings you know i i I, one i will never i'm not a designer or whatnot so i can only imagine how hard that job is having to you know come up with something decide what what something everyone's gonna like especially when the market demands something exactly well but also there there are people who like pink. There are women oh, who yeah. like no, pink. Oh, yeah. No, shout out to pink. I love pink. Yeah. So no one's sitting here and saying, you know, get rid of pink. It was more for women to be like, okay, we just want it to be more ins- inclusive. Like, yes. have more availability. If you're not going to make them women sizes and have more availability in GS, because not for nothing, you obviously know there's a demand there when you double the price of GS. Yes. You know, versus making a whole, you know, women, actual like women form fitting shoes. So. You know, just more so looking at like these things and looking at stories that can be told. I'm like, you know, I can sit here and gripe. Right. Or I can, you know, try to be the change. Yeah. So um, life became very interesting. And, and for the listener, GS means grade school. Yes. And GS means grade school. Uh, and because of the sizing of kids and also uh, uh, female sportswear sizing, there's a lot of overlap there. Yes. Yes. So, yes. So, yeah. So. A lot of the nuances are either in the technology, the materials, mm-hmm. or some other specific storytelling. Yes. Yeah. So um, life became interesting. Again, at that filling point. the gaps. No, you're you're good. Do that because again, I would sit here and just you know not even be considerate of that. But um, I ended up moving to California for two years, and still doing the blog stuff and whatnot. Still, you know, was working. it because of a work thing or just personal just, adventure? Like, yeah, personal. I think. As someone, so one of the things, um, you know, being the youngest mm-hmm. um, and then being, again, this first generation, I think one of the things um, a lot of people also don't talk about is there's a lot of sh- uh, sheltering going on, you know, like from uh, family and whatnot. Like at one point I did, I had a car and I had a flat tire and I told my dad, tell me how to go about this. <laughs> And he was just like, nah, don't, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And I go outside and it's fixed. And I'm like, I'm thankful. But like this could, this, what's going to happen when this happens not in the driveway? Like yes. I'm on a highway. What do I do? Right. I can't just what call if, you for everything. When you're on the 405 exactly. in LA, you're on the Garden State Parkway in Jersey. Exactly. So, and I think maybe that's, you know, why I pride myself on is, I wasn't this person who was, by all means, spoiled or whatnot. There were times for dinner where we'd have Guyana bread and condensed milk because at Key Food, it oh, was I like... I love condensed milk. It was like cans of condensed milk or like three for a dollar or something, Word. you know? Would you, would you do the thing where you put condensed milk on the plate? salting crackers? I That's a Filipino I? thing. And I, I'm like, I didn't. I, I saw like family members doing that, but I'm like, it wouldn't have been... Like, it wouldn't have been uncommon if I did. Because at the time, it's like, look, you're going to eat what you're going to find. Yeah, exactly. In the house. You want these calories so you can survive? You're going to eat yeah, this. Yeah, you're going to eat this. Or you're going to eat this bread and butter and some tea. <laughs> <laughs> My grandma used to take take sugar and sprinkle it on white bread and feed it to her grandkids. Oh, my god! But it was like, you know, the kind of poor immigrant mentality. No, we have to exactly. make the most with the least. Yeah. And if you think about some of the best food is what's considered in our in our in our culture is the poor man food absolutely in guyanese culture there is one called shine rice which all it is is if you had you put some oil put some of that white rice put some onion and whatever you had it wasn't technically fried rice it was just shiny because it was oily like (laughs) and you ate that you may do or sometimes people would just have rice with salt and pepper or whatever you know they had um 
So, yeah, L.A. was a, a combo. It was I came out of a toxic relationship and I, you know, there were things that I was like, I just I need to learn. Like, I need to learn because, people, you know, like, let's be, you know, as much as people want to talk about parenting, going to always be there. No, they're not. I, and, and there's no way I'm going to learn about, like, how to either lease a car or yeah. sign a lease. And I think it post COVID, too, I think we're all understanding, like, we need to appreciate each other. Exactly. For sure. So I remember saying, like, what was one thing in that relationship that I couldn't do, which was move to L.A.? And I chose L.A. also because in terms of career, what place made the most sense? Um, Because I have a sister who lives in Florida. And I was like, I'm not moving to Florida. (laughs) So, you know, I go to L.A. and I'm still in sneakers and whatnot, like, you know, doing for the kick of it. My jobs were a little bit different, but I was still able to bring on now, like, tastemakers and influencers who you know, really did, like, tilt the access from, like, different... I remember I worked with, like, Ryan Turk, NASCAR, was able to bring on Estevan for something. So it was dope. So that's also kind of how I further realized that, you know, I really I really wanted to... I What I loved about marketing was working with, like, these influencers and these people. Um, fast forward, you know, I'm living this L.A. life, everything's cool, and then I get laid off. Oh, really? Yeah, and... It's something that a lot of people don't know. What was life after being laid off? It, I honestly, the biggest thing when they told me, the f- biggest feeling I felt was my parents, and how disappointed they being because you you don't get fired. Like my dad's been at his job for like what, 25, 30 years. My mother, when she's because my mother uh, is a nurse at North Shore, but before that she was in. Um, uh, nursing homes, she didn't get fired. She left, you right. know, and Those transferred Those are different types over. of jobs, for sure. No, for sure. But it's like nobody in the family ever got laid off or fired. And I was just like, what is this? You know, what... what I, I was just like, oh my gosh, like, I'm supposed to be this person carrying all this, you know, pride and whatnot. And now I have to go say, like, I got laid off. You know, I felt like, I felt disappointed. I also felt like I wasn't smart. Because mm. in my mind, it was like, well, they could have found the money somewhere or, you know, if they really wanted me, they would have found a way to keep me and make it work. Yeah. Um, definitely an interesting part in my life. How long did it take for you to mentally get over that headspace? And also, did you start to have conversations about when it comes to the immigrant narrative and traditional jobs? It's a less dynamic ecosystem from a... Uh, from a job placement perspective, you know, like people stay on a track. Yeah. I think within our space, specifically you and uh, me in some capacity as well, there is the more of an expectation to move around. Yeah. So I think initially when it came to like my parents, um, did you have to tell them? Yeah, of course. I was just like, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what, how to navigate. And also you have to realize I'm not even in my home of New York. I'm in a place across, across the country, right? you know? So I didn't even know how to navigate. So I ended up telling them, I think within a week and it was surprising because they were just like, you know, they didn't, they, they were in shock, Yes, but not because of me. I thought I was going to be blamed. Honestly, I thought I was gonna be like, what did you do wrong? Where it was like, uh, it was like, it was like sadness more than anything, and I remember yeah. you have to you have to go through mourning for sure. Yeah, but I also remember kind of being like, wait, 
that wasn't the reaction I was expecting. So now I'm in like a whole other layer because I'm like, I didn't know how to process that. Like they felt bad and whatnot. And I mean, my dad was more like, oh, guess you have to come back home. I was like, you sound very happy about this. <laughs> this is not. Don't take this whole blessing in disguise. Right. POV. Right. Whereas like, you know, my mom is just like, you know, things happen. Um, and more about like, what were my next steps? You know, how yeah. do you handle it? And I'm Practical. just like. You know, I don't know. So in terms of like that fear of disappointing them, that kind of went out really quickly. And again, like I said, like I was not expecting that type of reaction. And I think I will say for certain things, and I can probably count it on my one hand, <laughs> I do think when your parents hear how sad and disappointed you are in something, like they either stay quiet <laughs> or they tend to say less like blunt things because like, that's their way, right? Like I feel like our parents, a lot of them were taught to not have emotion. Yes. So like that's their way of having emotion is not saying anything or being like, okay, or like really trying to like, you know, be like, okay, so what are the next steps right. versus like, you know, so. Yeah, sometimes I, I think about it too for for that narrative or for the the immigrant that chooses to to leave their home you know mm -hmm. you kind of have to take on a, a bit of a numbness in order to break past those particular barriers but i think for sure yeah then within our generation where we are that first gen post immigration mm -hmm. space and we we are more allowing of our emotions to come through and more um, you know, the way we process information. Is well, that's different. what it was too. I was like, here I was taking a big leap of faith that is so, you know, not, in, not traditional in any sense. It's like, oh, she's moving away from home from New York from, and she doesn't know anyone. It's like, that's unheard of. Right. So, you know, I felt like also in a way of failure, but I remember talking to a dear friend and a friend of mine, Fadia Cater, who's now on Instagram, but at the time she was at Twitter and I remember she said something. So in between that, so now I'm like, okay, like I just have to figure some things out. I remember even pride got in the way. I was like, unemployment. I was like, what? What's? What? What do you mean? I what have is this? to. Well, I have to file for that, or like yeah. I someone, do paperwork now. Someone even suggested like, what about EBT? And I was like, what? And what's they were like, EBT? they were like, wait a minute. Wait, are you asking me? Or are you saying that? No. What is EBT? Oh, EBT is like food assistance. Like oh, okay. you get cash for food. No, I didn't know. If you were just saying that. No, I don't know. No. I, don't know. I think here in New York. Oh, I was York, playing a role, yeah. Yeah, I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. I was, I was riffing with you. And um, I think New York is now like SNAP, but basically it's like the government gives you a certain amount okay, of money. Okay, I was subsidized. To on, purchase for food. Yep. Um, And I remember, I must have made a face and my friend was like, hey, remember, our taxes all get taken out for stuff like this. Think about it that way. The time you need it. True. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So, you know, navigating around this and then... You know, I was, pay I was doing freelance and whatnot. And when I think about it now, I'm like, that was a hell of a time because I was basically, I had to pay rent. I had to pay my bills. I had to pay a car note. I had to pay parking for a car because it's LA and I was living in downtown. So there's no parking, having all that. And I was able to make do. Of course, I had to take some like life adjustments. Like people are like, you want to hang out? I'm like, actually, why don't you guys come over here? I cook you dinner. You guys just bring the drinks because guess what? I had ABT so I could just... <laughs> buy the food <laughs> everyone else can spend their money the and buy the alcohol that's what's um, up you know posting on a budget exactly and you know they didn't they didn't see or see me quote unquote struggle um and then so fast forward i'm like all right you know i'm sending out my resume and whatnot yeah i'm getting some freelance but everything that's picking up 
is back in New York. It's like nothing is biting in LA. It's the strangest thing. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go home for like a week and a half, two weeks, you know, set up some interviews and then see how that goes. So I was setting up interviews and then I was having lunch with my friend Fadia. And at the time she was working at Twitter and we're sitting there and she's like, so what's going on? And I tell her and she goes like, oh, okay, cool. So you're moving back. And again, me and my faces, I was like, what? And she was like, don't let you like, oh, don't let pride get in your way. She's like, you talk about this nice apartment, whatever that you live in and how, you know, how LA, da, 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 da. But she's like, are you going to look cute if you, if you get evicted? And I was like, mm, you're right. But she was like, LA will always be there. And she's like, what we also have to realize is you are fortunate enough that you can come back home. Some people don't have that option. Right. And when she said that, I was like, Damn, and I was like, you're facts. right. Big and facts. she was like, it's not a failure. She's like, you went. She's like, think about it. You decided in July you were going to move to L.A. You told some people. Someone was like, I have a position. You interviewed. You got it. September, you moved. She's like, if that's not the universe saying, like, you were meant to be in L.A. for that time, you were. She's like, your time is just for right now is just done. You something about you have to come back to New York. The universe is telling you something. Exactly. So I was like, okay, fine. And it just so happened that my lease was about to be up. So I remember coming back from New York. I'd interviewed and I felt like, although they were, well, there were interviews that went well, I felt like they were kind of like, oh yeah, we kind of want this, kind of want that. I didn't feel like when I came back, there was anything concrete. So I came back and I remember just I wanted to like just watch TV or something, not do anything. And I was just like, let me just open my computer. And lo and behold, there was a listing at Flight Club. And I was just like, it's just funny how things work because I wasn't even thinking I wasn't even pressed. And it was very um, analytic. It was more so analytic focus with like a comms media aspect right and every role that i was looking at was strictly focused on like everything but the analytics hmm. and analytics i was just like from the from the website from the webcoms website or from, from social media comms media presence all that got it um and then would that have to somehow connect to the actual sales in some yes. capacities okay yes correct um, whereas there were other aspects, you know, so there were doing, KPIs that you had to exactly okay. see figuring out like the ROI, if we push yep. something out, what the average order value is on the website, um, media budget. So how much we were putting in for like AdWords and gotcha. any social ads, whatnot. And there was a, there is, there was a portion that was like, okay, you're going to oversee social yeah. media, but then also coordinate, um, any press opportunities. Yeah. But for me, did you have anything to do with. Like club sponsoring LeBron's kids team, Bronny's team. No, I think that happened after. After you, okay, yeah. got it. So you know, it, it was more like I would have rathered it be the other way, where it was like you know a greater percentage of like the media press, unless. But I was just like, man, whatever. Like really didn't think about it at all. Didn't even like oh flight club. I was just like, let me push this. And something in the back of my head said, you're going to get this because of the fact that you, you don't want to. You've been avoiding, rather. You've been avoiding diving into analytics. Mm. Um, oh, but it's so good to know now. Yeah. So, you know, I did it. Didn't even think about it at yeah. all. I think you can I, read those bell curves. Right. That you're, you become the, the analytic whisperer. Exactly. So I think, oh, my God, those bell curves. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, for real, though. Yo, listener, if you can read a good bell curve. 
bell curve. If you can stay on top, also on top of like your KPI reports and whatnot, yeah. pull some trends. I mean, they're interesting, but you also got to have some like patience to sit there and really dive in. Yes. Um, so yeah, I sent my resume like, and I didn't even think, I think I went back to like being depressed. And the next day I get a call and uh, they're like, you know, we're really impressed, blah, blah, blah. Like to schedule interviews. So I had three interviews and it was all through um, Skype since I was, you know, in LA. But even then, like I was in the middle of still, you know, making some sort of decision. You know, I was still moving forward with moving. Um, and, you know, anytime you interview with a job, it's not like it's so fast. OK, boom, make a decision. It's like sometimes things happen. So there was a while where I didn't hear back from them at all. Um, and I was moving out. I was going through that. And I still had like one year left on my car lease. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not fucking up my credit. I will pay <laughs> whatever money I could to have it, you know, send back to New York. Yeah. So the, get those parking tickets. Yeah. I was like, nope, like that's I'm not fucking up my credit. Don't fuck up your credit. Don't fuck up your credit. <laughs> like, yeah. If there's anything to take from this, don't fuck up your credit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so the day I remember um, maybe like it was in the midst of them taking my stuff and it was at the end of the night. I was like, I haven't heard back from Flight Club. And I was like, I wasn't, I was like, this is, I don't know what's worse, when you're excited and you don't hear back, or when you weren't excited and then kind of got excited and then oh, you know, like, yeah. don't hear back. Because you're playing a casual, you're just like, oh, I don't even need this thing. Right. But then you start getting thirsty for it. It's like, you start oh, getting shit. closer, what feels yeah. like it's right there. And exactly. You're like, it's like, oh, now I kind of want it. Yeah. So um, I was like, whatever. I was like, mm, maybe I'll just shoot an email. You know, it's been like a couple weeks. And I was just like, Hey, you know, just wanted to see what's going on. Didn't hear back. I was like, oh, it's a dub. So <laughs> fast forward and you know, it's the day. Yeah, it's the day that, you know, they're taking my car or whatever. And I'm like, all right. Which is so funny because I think when you're in that type of experience, anything that ends up being like some sort of detachment, you feel it, I think, a little bit more. So like they're taking my car and although it's not being repossessed it's just going home i'm sitting there like oh what is my life <laughs> <laughs> what is this thing yeah, yeah like uh, it's, it's a weird feeling to see all your shit in boxes yeah leaving you and then you separate from right. all your shit and in a weird way you're like you know for me i'm just like i don't have a job and then i'm being i'm totally being od dramatic i'm like i have a job i'm not married okay <laughs> <laughs> you're being the perfect amount of dramatic yeah i'm like I'm like, You're I going through have it. this car. I'm going back to my parents' house. Like, so I was like, let me get out of the road before someone hits me. <laughs> <laughs> Screaming into like outer space. Right. In That's the middle so of funny. South Fairfax at that. Um, so I go inside and I see my phone's ringing. I'm like, I don't know that number. And then I'm like, mm, but it kind of doesn't look spammy. So I pick up. And it's Flight Club. And they're like, hey, you're so sorry it's taking so long. We're just going through a lot of changes. But, um, you know, we this is a brand new role. So with that, it's always, you know, figuring out, like, how it's actually going to fit in. But they were like, um, "Do would you mind starting freelance? And I was like. Oh, there you go. Right. I was like, well, right. There's the nugget. Yeah. They were like, but you would be working full time. It's just really because it's a brand new role, you know, basically starting freelance is to make sure yeah, it's the way that they want. It's, in it's the an first integration thing. Exactly. And I was like, Structural thing. yeah. And they were like, well, when could you start? And I'm like, so I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> right. I'm like, well, my, they just took my car. 
Um, and I fly back in the next few days. And I remember it was Columbus weekend. Yes. It was like something that I would arrive back in New York on a Friday. And I was like, I can start. Are you open Columbus Day? She was like, yeah. I was like, I'll start Monday. Nice. And at that point, I was like, I remember looking up in the sky. I was like, okay, I know you told me to trust you, God. But <laughs> <laughs> I didn't not trust you. But I see what you were doing here. Oh, man. So it was it was a, it was was two things, right? It was kind of like, again, if anyone who believes in just, or just, you know, in general has faith, it doesn't even matter, like, what your religion is. Um you know, it, it's like the universe was saying, like, it's time to come back to New York and here's why. And I think although everything that I was doing behind the scenes, you know, before the kick of it and whatnot, Flight Club was kind of like what gave me like that legitimate cred, especially from a professional side. Got it. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's about in terms of cred within the sneaker sportswear space. There's few institutions other than like the Nike, Adidas, Pumas of the world right. that can give you the cred. Exactly. Yeah. So what was that culture? Well, so you move on to these projects within the flight club space. And then also you eventually go to Packers as well. Mm -hmm. Then also you found the Armory Collective. Yes. What were your, what, what kind of projects are you jumping into? There's a big scope happening now mm -hmm. um, or a larger scope. And also you're in new, back in New York, like the Mecca of sneaker culture. Mm -hmm. Like what are you, what are you getting your hands in on that level? Man. I mean, so big, a lot of the things that I was one, not only tasked with, but was my vision was also like, I like doing like out of the box things or bringing together two different worlds. Cause I felt like also when I started at flight club, that was also right at the brink where sneakers were becoming more mainstream. I remember walking back in union square after all that time and seeing way more people, especially women wearing sneakers when yes. I'm looking around and not even on the flight club block. Like, if you go just around Union Square, like University Avenue and whatnot, I'm like, oh, yeah. wait, all these people have sneakers on? Which is like when I was working over here just like two years ago, you know, Completely they were Completely different landscape. Yeah. So I always have this belief, right? If you want to make a change, <clears throat> yes, you can obviously start internally, right? But when on the internal side, so basically the sneaker world, you see the changes starting. I think there's only so much change you can do within that world. So yes. for me, it was like, if I really want to make a change, I got to bring other worlds together, which is why, like, you know, so for things at Flight Club, you know, Flight Club, which I feel like someone really needs to do like a case study, like actual, like, like invest, not investigation. It sounds so bad, but like analysis on them. <laughs> investigation. <laughs> I know because it's like, if you think about it, they, before I came, there was never any marketing. Yes. There was nothing. There wasn't even an awning on their store, but right. the notoriety that they have is amazing for yeah. not having. It, so, it was still kind of a, of that era when, when remember when a life was like the super secret yeah. spot and it to be buzzed in yeah. like on some uncut gems type yeah. shit, like, like old school prohibit back in the mm -hmm. day. Um, even, even that, uh, when transit, you have to, you have to know that transit was the spot and then you would just go downstairs into the OG place and was like, yo, there's like the massive walls. Yeah. Yes. They were completely speakeasies. Yeah. Completely different culture. So a lot of the things that I was doing there, I mean, yeah, I was diving into analytics. No one wants to hear that. Um, <laughs> were things like, you know, numbers driven pocket, right? <laughs> we're doing things like. You know, yes, we had sneaker shopping and whatnot, but it was also realizing like Flight Club out of any like brick and mortar retail spot, you know, of course now there's like stadium goods yes, and whatnot, course. but Flight Club w is like a museum, you yes. know, and it's like that heat chamber that they got mm -hmm. and you can sit here and now bring like, 
you can do so many things where you're educating people and also bringing them down like a nostalgic path. And also because we correlate so well, you know, sneakers and sports, it was also doing thing. One thing people don't realize is um, on the back end of things, Flight Club donates a lot. They do a lot of uh, activations with like uh, Make-A-Wish mm. where we'll do things like, you know, have kids. Like there's always a part where kids can do like little shopping sprees and whatnot and Make-A-Wish would have something where it's like, okay, they can choose a shoe and Make-A-Wish will cover it. And then what we oh, would that's do really cool. is what we would surprise, we wouldn't even tell the kid anything. We'd surprise them. We would finagle away where we we made it where it's like, oh, you can't choose between the two. Damn, that sucks. But before they were leaving, we're like, we're giving you, we're matching and we're giving you this shoe in addition to like some other stuff, you know, to really like give back. So we were always on the on the giving back front. And with that, I remember meeting somebody, I think his name is Rob at Players Tribune. And we did like this really mm. cool activation with like UNICEF and whatnot. Players Tribune, the, uh, the sports blog, like journalistic website. Yeah, like website. content platform. Yeah. Derek but Jeter like, owns that, right? Yes, yes, yes. That's actually how I met Derek Jeter, which has made oh. so many people jealous. Shout out to one of the goats. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and doing things, doing things like that. Like we had a partnership with Bleacher Report for Air Max Day. And then, oh, yeah. and you know, with Packer, it was interesting because here I was at a place where it was consignment, right? Where you're not working with any brands yeah. because they're all kind of like looking down on you. Whereas now at Packer, it's, oh, you know. And now like, it dictates market. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm sitting, yeah, I know, right? And now I'm sitting here, you know, talking to people at Adidas who make decisions, talking to Puma. Yeah. And I remember one time I was at a buying a buyer's meeting and one of the brands was showing their entire, uh, actually, so this was last year. So they were showing like their 20, their collection for 2020. And I remember they got to the women's part. Mind you. What brand had, can you say? No, nah, I don't want to put them on blast. Okay, gotcha. Um, we'll guess. We'll surmise based on the context. I know, on clues. the context, yeah. I was like, I don't want to put them on blast. I don't want to do them like that. <laughs> Especially if they're making progressive change. There you go. So, um, this ain't a Gaslight podcast. Yeah, exactly. So Unless they... It is. <laughs> <laughs> but not in this instance. Yes. Um, and I remember... <laughs> They, you know, they went through everything, like, for the men's, like, why this collection was called this thing, and nostalgia, whatever, technology, and they brought up the women's, and they went through that in, like, three minutes, and I was like, also, the name for the collection was something, I feel like, so corny, but was the, when you look at their storyboard, it was geared towards someone's, like, someone like me, and I was like, I would not even buy this collection based off the name of it, and let alone, you put pink, you put flowers, and everything. So they yes. move forward. They go on to other stuff. And I'm just sitting there. And it's my first buyer's meeting. Yes. Um, And, you know, Mike Packer is next to me. And I'm just, you know, sitting there. Because obviously I, I don't want to do anything that's going to make him or the brand look bad. Right, right. But I'm sitting there looking at these shoes. And I'm just like, like, should I say something? I was like, well, we passed it. Like, it makes no sense. But then I remembered one day, well, I remembered, you know, all those times on Twitter where us women would be like, I wish they didn't do this. I wish they didn't, do, you know, do this. How can no, how come no one in these teams are hearing us? And I'm like, holy shit, I'm here right now. If there was ever a time right, to vocalize. Right, now to do it. Exactly. Especially when you're in a, a power place of someone who's investing in the, their product. Exactly. So <laughs> it was kind of funny because, you know, man is talking and whatnot and i'm like excuse me <laughs> excuse me sir he's like yes i was like um 
can you go back some slides? And he goes, I didn't realize how far the presentation went. <laughs> You're on the thank you slide at the end. <laughs> and he's going back. I was like, go back to the, the women's, the women's. And I'm like, can you tell me why you called it this collection? Ooh. And he he laughs. And I'm like, no. And it's like a nervous laugh. It's not like, you know, anything crazy. But I was like, no, I want you to know this this question isn't derogatory. It's to prove or condescending. It's to prove a point. You couldn't answer what the thought process was to go into this name, but for every other men's collection, men's product, mm. you told me everything down to the history, the why, the branding, and whatnot. And then you glossed over this other thing. Right. And I'm like, and this right here is the beginning problem. I'm like, and now, and that's not even going into the shoes. I'm like, it just, you know, I'm looking at these shoes and there's roses and pink, and I'm not saying there's women who don't like this, but for if for you for you to be talking about shoes that aren't going to come out in the next year year and a half yeah. and this is what you're presenting me and you can't even tell me why you did these things it almost seems very lazy and there was there was one other woman there and she was like yeah she's like even if you just took this silhouette and took off the roses and made it very clean yes. it's something that you know even like women in the UK would wear you know and i was like again it's not to be condescending right. it's just I just want to give insight market um, insight exactly like these giving people you insight. Are probably Cause right, I yeah. think I was the only person in marketing who was there. Yeah, you know, everyone else is a buyer, and yeah. I remember in the corner of my eye, this guy literally jumps into the chair next to me, and he's like the VP of like, glow. I don't know. He's like a. I couldn't even. Remember. He's a player. Yeah, and he turns to me and he's like, "Um, can you tell me your name?" And I was like, "Ooh," I was like, <laughs> "Alisa," and he's like, "Which company are you with?" And I looked to the left of me. I was like, sorry, Mike. I was like, Packer. And he's like, no, this is why I think it's so important to have these meetings is because we need feedback like this. Yeah. He, um, he's like, I wish there were more marketing people. He's like, as you said, you know, we're we're men and we don't understand this. And you know it's so important power to him for vocalizing yeah because i thought he was gonna be like who you think you is and i was supposed to be like sorry i I don't think in this climate anyone would have done that anyway right i mean i don't know but you just never but then again in this climate who the hell knows right exactly so for me that was like one of the game changers you know now coming from a flight club and being at a brick and mortar like packard to be like i'm literally talking you know being able to talk to some of these brands um, and then now having more opportunity to be able to have um, communications uh, with also people. So, you know, talking like influencers and whatnot, whereas Flight Club was a little tricky because at the end of the day, that's not your product. That's other people's product. You're just, you're just housing them. You're just the middleman. Yeah, that's true. You're also facilitating a stock X type of like, like relationship with product. Right. So at the time, like I can't, I can't really go ahead and be like, yeah, I concede you this product because yeah. it's not mine. Yeah, you're, you're subject to market prices. Exactly. Point. Whereas, you know, at, market demand. at Packer, it might be a little bit easier to do that or at least be like, come right. to our event. And I remember. And you control the door. Exactly. And I remember we did an event um, with Adidas for the relaunch of the Night Jogger. Okay. So because the shoe. That's, head a, good, that's went, a good silhouette. Yeah. I like that sure. black and orange silhouette. And it's super comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Did that have boost um, or that didn't have boost? That no, I don't think so. Gotcha. My fiance worked a bit on the Night Jogger campaign with Actually, Code and Theory. 
at the same time as a hype fest. Yes, yes, yes. Actually, it might. Honestly, it's so so. It is so funny when you're no longer also, I'm just like no jogging. I know. I'm like you're not completely focused on sneakers sometimes because you end up. I think what happened for me is I had spent the last few years so ingrained in sneakers like you know at least like when you just like sneakers you're only focusing on the things that you like yeah when you're working in it you have to focus on things that you don't like you have to focus on every news that comes out so at one point you know after packer i was like i don't want to like i only want to hear about the things that i like i don't want to hear nothing so i kind of feel like now when someone asks me about like what did this shoe have i'm like oh wait (laughs) Uh, don't remember it's hard yeah yeah you have to like nerd that's like the geek part of it yeah for sure so um yeah and i'm i'm a geek for the things that i really love not saying that i don't no no that's are, what's up but you know that's what's up. um and then we did an event and because we the 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 shoe range went down to a size five i was like oh i'm definitely gonna invite some women you know it's not like i'm inviting women being like sorry yeah can't but give it wasn't full shoe. family it just went down to no it just went down to like five okay and then went up no it wasn't full family and you know, invited no, real some sneaker terms getting thrown around this episode. Exactly. We usually don't get this deep. <laughs> and I mean, you kind of have to, you know, you have some to. of the things. And I had like had a partnership with Lyft because you know Packers in Jersey. So yeah, Teaneck. If you're trying to get yeah, and this was like the reopening, um, bigger space right. and whatnot. And, and Packer was uh, it was a shoe store. Mm-hmm. It's a family-owned shoe store yep. from the turn of the century. That started in Yonkers. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, from mm-hmm. the previous uh, Willennium. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and then it turned into like this this great uh, sneaker uh, sneaker haven in New yeah. Jersey. Um, when at a time there wasn't really a lot of sneaker stores in Jersey. I remember there was Packer, there was Subculture Skate Shop, there was New Jersey Skate Shop, there was Division East. Yeah, uh, and Packer had that New York connection mm-hmm. was somehow a lot cooler. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, because I will say, because they also have a Jersey City location, oh, yeah. I will say where both locations are, it's not difficult to get to from the city which yeah. is important you know yeah More um, a mental leap if anything exactly so um i remember we did the event so i invited you know a bunch of people i had a partnership with lyft so that made it really easy for people to come from but i'm also very particular about who i invite i just don't invite people for clout there you i don't go. invite because i'm like what is it going to do for me if i give you a shoe and then you're like here you go and then that's it it's a one-off but i remember everyone leaving the event and they're coming up to me. They're like, this was such a good event. I'm like, you know, thanks. And they're like, no, it wasn't good. Like in the sense of like, it wasn't your standard industry event. It was like I was able to talk to people. I was able to meet different people. I walked away with people's numbers. Mm. I had such a great time, you know, doing this. <clears throat> I was able to use like, because I between actually between Flight Club and Packer, I worked for Diddy for a little bit. Oh, OK. And launched, um, helped him launch the Rock VS. So wow. I had them sponsor. You know, and them just being like, even like reps from Adidas were like, you know, we're talking to Ciroc for like some of our investor meetings and whatnot. And I remember just feeling so good that I was like, okay, after Packer, I know, I feel like, and now having like 10 years of marketing and everything under marketing, you know, from like email marketing, queuing websites down to like social media partnerships that I felt like I could be really selfish and be like, I'm only going to focus on this thing. I only want to focus on partnerships and talent. Um, and yeah, I think, at, you know, at Flight Club, I had just, 
it had, I mean, Flight Club at Packard yeah. gotten to a point of just being like, all right, you know, it wasn't supposed to be anything crazy long term and just setting up some like right. tracks and whatnot. And but trajectory. Exactly. But I ended up again, I think one thing I realized is there's no such thing as when you get older, okay, I reached this and that's it. Mm hmm. It's you're oh you're always going to be faced at certain points in your life <clears throat> where you are gonna have to rethink what yes, your next path absolutely. is. Absolutely. And I remember after Packer being like, "What am I gonna do?" And I actually laid low for like a month or two. Mm. <clears throat> I like ended up traveling a little bit. Um, I got flewed out to Portland, all that, and I realized like this is the time where I really want to do that. I think I think I always knew that I wanted to focus on talent and whatnot, but you know, I was trying to do what was the right thing, but also like what gave me a better title, what made more money because I'm also thinking about my parents and when they're talking to their friends, like, you know, they don't understand sneakers. Yeah. The way that they kind of accepted it was because they hear my nieces and nephews mm. talking about it. So now that people are talking about it, you know, you ask my mom, my mom still thinks marketing is just, I'm just doing sales. Yeah. You know, whereas she hears people talking about it, they Writing know press releases or that's something. all that matters to her. She's like, I don't really have to understand it, but if other people know what it is, then that's great. Yeah. Um. So now moving forward, I was like, no, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to go and try it. And then over the last three years, there were different people from different worlds who would always kind of say, you know, you'd be good at managing with your marketing background. But I always assumed with music and I was like, listen, no, music is an entirely different beast. And, um, that's how everything happened with Liz because we were just on the phone. Oh, yeah. And I was telling shout her. Shout out to Liz B. Croft. Yes, shout out to Liz. From the, the Cultivator Drop. Yes, yes, um, yes. Also, so you were both a part of. Yeah, which was an amazing experience. Yes. Also transformative for me. I'm sure it was transformative for Liz mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, I was just going to say it was going to be like like the class, but I was like, they do, they you can't even say you're the class of 2019 because there was like multiple. There were, yeah. But I think this was the one that was actually integrated with Nike technology. Yes. Because previously they've been on the Squarespace platform mm -hmm. and then they were kind of operating a side parallel with, uh, mm -hmm. but then this one actually used uh, <clears throat> Nike tech and Nike integration. Right. But we were still selling Girl Scout cookies at the end <laughs> of the day. For real though. Yeah. For real. Um, so as we're wrapping up, first of all, I got to say, this is an amazing conversation. I hope so. I tend to ramble. so No, but yo, perfect medium for it. Yeah. <laughs> so this is awesome. And also this is um, a great conversation in terms of getting deep into sneaker knowledge as well as like what this culture means, especially when it comes to representation in the space, mm -hmm. because the that culture is changing constantly. I think I like to think for the better. And I think that you're one of it the is, great. It is, for sure. Yeah, you're one of the great actors um, players in that space that's also moving the needle. So, you Thank know, you. power to you and appreciate you for sure. Um, but, Alisa, I'd love for you to tell some of the listeners uh, about anything that's coming up, like what's really popping off for you right now yeah. and what they should be looking out for. Absolutely. So, like we were talking about earlier, for the kick of it is most likely going to make a comeback. So, stay tuned probably bank in the next episodes. couple of months. Yeah, bank some episodes there you and go. put that out. I'm doing some great things with Liz upcoming. We have some collaborations, we Love have some that. events. Um, um, so, stay tuned for that. And I think I'm going to keep managing, you know, creatives, especially within the sneaker and streetwear space, using my marketing knowledge to be able to help them, what I always say, like not get got, because there are a lot of creatives who will sit here and put all that work and all they 
take back is okay cool i got this pair of shoes and i was like that's great but you just spent your last week doing all this work you know and not realizing um and i think that's also my way of giving back yeah and honestly i think just keep evening the playing field exactly and I'm just like freelancing and doing all this like great activation work. I'm doing some work with Beyond Date, who handles all of like Pyre Moss's activations and events. Ooh, very cool. So yeah, I think it, it's been really cool for me to kind of get back more in what I call, like that culture lifestyle, where it's like sneakers are not far apart. They're a part of it, but they're not solely it. Yeah. But they all come back full circle. So we'll see. We'll see where 2020 goes. That's what's up. Yeah. Uh, where are you on social media? Where can our listeners find you? Everyone can find me. Um, my name is yo underscore Mona Lisa with two S's. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Alisa Navida, thank you so much for coming by. Of course. Thank you for having me. That was a dope conversation. I want to thank Alisa for dropping by. A lot of deep, specific references in that one, but I love that stuff. Uh, but that said, you can find this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast content. Please rate us and drop a review. It helps spread the good word. Go to firstgenburden.com for all the episodes on Instagram. We're at firstgenburden. You can find me, your host, at rich underscore to you. Again, thank you to Listening Party and Canal Street Market. Follow them at, at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. Thanks to Des Jin team for their support. Thanks for checking out season five of First Gen Burn. Only a couple more episodes left. 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 I'm going to leave this one in. Left. Come back next week, dropping every Monday. Be safe, everyone. Bye.